Welcome to Season 2 of Voices of Value, a conversation between Peter Kakos and Rick Rushton and their high-achieving guests from professional sport, Olympians, business leaders and ordinary people with value hacks to share through simple life lessons. If you're keen to reach your next level personally and professionally, sit back and join the conversation with your hosts, Rick and Peter. Voices of Value, another episode in our series of empowering women who are absolutely giving us some great life hacks. It's Rick Rushton here with my good friend, co-host, and the man who's organised most of these interviews this month, I've got to say, <laughs> Peter Kakos. Pete, oh, welcome. Also, I've done something for once. Is that what you're well, saying? Well, I wouldn't say once. Um, <laughs> maybe twice. <laughs> no, it's yeah, been Big good. shout out to OMP as well for the introduction today to Chloe Dalton. Chloe, by way of introduction, uh, Chloe Dalton, O-A-M, Rick, that's right. Just to have those letters after your name, that's... Order of Australian Medal. Did mm. I get that right? Yeah, you did. Well done. Well yeah, done. I, have, I don't have one, but I just know what it means. But um, <laughs> but a lot of people know, um, probably more than, than usual would know Chloe at the moment because she's been back in the news as well for all yes. for, for the good reasons yep. um, as well because she's back in the Australian Rugby Sevens uh, as well, which um, of course it's an Olympic year, Olympic Tokyo Bounds. this year. Um, as well as um, playing for, uh, and you've you've really gone the Carlton uh, outfit today, so I really appreciate that. But uh, certainly doing amazing things um, there at the Carlton Footy Club in the, in AFL the AFLW yep. uh, at the moment as well. But a gold medalist in the women's sevens team uh, at the 2016 Summer Olympics. Uh, that was in Rio, wasn't it? Wow, look at you. It was. <laughs> Do I look like I'm a geographic whiz? I don't know where it was, but it's the Olympics, mate. I only think about uh, wonderful talent that's in front of us right now, not but, history. But for those listening audience, you can also see this episode on YouTube as well. So get on in. You'll see the magnificent Carlton, the tie, right? My, my mates right now would be just absolutely loving this. So seeing the big, mine. Seeing the big, yeah, seeing my the big navy mate. blue. Yeah. Da, 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 uh, da, da, myself, da. not so much, but, no. um, but welcome, Chloe Dalton. Yay. Thanks, guys. Good to be here. Yeah, uh, so uh, Rick, take us away. Well, it's funny, Chloe, because you know we've had Olympians on this particular show. We've had elite people all the way through. But what we're really finding is, is that it doesn't matter what someone's done at the highest level. They've always seemingly got some organising principles that have got them there. And our subscribers, our listeners, always give us constant feedback about saying, you know what, you don't have to be an Olympian to do what Chloe just shared with us. I'm doing it now and it's having an effect. So thank you for, first of all, giving up your time. This is pre-season for you. You've just in between sessions. You've just done a weight session. You're about to go and join you know, the main training here at uh, in Melbourne tonight. So we, we appreciate the gift of your time because we do – we do understand it's a great gift and you also got one mind towards obviously the rugby sevens and uh, the olympic games so there's a lot going on there give us an understanding about how you've got to this point in your life uh, clearly a lot of these sports found you and you obviously had some great gifts and talents what's some of the things that you know you can share with our listeners about that, that will give them an understanding about your sporting journey to date yeah so i grew up as a kid playing a whole range of sports um Absolutely loved whatever whatever I could get my hands on. A lot of athletics, cross country, touch footy, uh, a bit of soccer here and there. Didn't play any AFL back in Sydney. It wasn't as wasn't as big as what it is here in Melbourne. Um, but played a whole range of sports. And I guess my main sport when I got to the age of about eleven or twelve was basketball. Um, and and worked my way up the ranks and played in the WNBL for the Sydney Uni Flames. Um, and when I was about nineteen or twenty, I had the opportunity to um, have a crack at rugby. I uh, thought I'd thought I'd give it a go and um, 
a similar similar story, I guess, with the basketball, but probably a little bit on fast forward. I um, called up the local rugby coach and, and went along to a couple of sessions there and played a season of 15 aside rugby and, and learned the tackle technique, the ruck technique, all that kind of thing. And then um, was fortunate enough to make the New South Wales Sevens team and play at the Nationals, uh, which would have been in about 2014. Um, and then from there was scouted into the Aussie team um, and made myself a part of the team that was then um, went on to win gold in Rio 2016. I had the chance to come and trial with Carlton. Yep. Came and had a bit of a kick of the footy. I uh, thought I was doing okay until I saw the look on the list manager and the coach's <laughs> face and I wasn't doing as well as what I thought, um, but was then offered to come down and play in the VFLW season with Carlton and then was um, was listed as, as a rookie for the 2019 AFLW season. And when you say you were given these opportunities, just talk us through that because I think you created a lot of these opportunities, didn't you? You weren't just handed a silver pattern and said, here you go, do you want to have a crack at this? Talk us through how you knocked through those doors in some respects. Yeah, I think given the opportunity probably isn't the correct way to describe it. It was very much a lot of hard work involved, but I think a big component of it was really putting myself into challenging situations. Um, I don't know what it is, but I think that's one component of my sporting journey and, and my life outside of sport that I really enjoyed putting myself in situations where I'm quite uncomfortable and it's quite unknown for me. And going through the process of having to learn a new skill, well, a new set of skills really, whether that's a new sport or understanding the game um, and then seeing what I need to put in place in order to be able to become successful in that. So I think it's probably not um, – yeah, I don't know where that necessarily came from in terms of wanting to put myself in that position, but it's something that I'm looking back on, I've really enjoyed that element of it. So you're happy to lean into the darkness and just back yourself that you'll develop the skill set that you need to find success in that, Pete, which I think yeah. is a interesting life hack right there. I find it amazing you go from a, um, a quite simply a non-contact sport like basketball <laughs> and you go into one of the most physical sports called rugby, um, although rugby sevens is not – as physical or is it as physical but it's still it's yeah it's still quite different about basketball it, yeah probably quite different yeah not not as much physicality as 15 aside same mm. same rules but pretty much half the people on the field so not as much contact um yeah that was a big big change i remember learning to tackle i got out in the backyard with my brothers and put on all the protective equipment i could find like put a put a headgear on, on yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> put the big shoulder pads on and just got my brothers to run at me um so it took me <laughs> <laughs> took me a little while to adapt to that one, but I ended up, yeah, quite enjoying that side of it. And what, what were your parents thinking at this moment in time when their daughter is saying, I'm going to actually pat myself up and say to my brothers, come and try, try and tackle me? Uh, Dad's first response, uh, I remember sitting around the dinner table when I said I was going to have a crack at rugby. His first response was, I think you'd be great at rugby, which was surprising, but he's always been very supportive like that. And mum in a similar sense, always very supportive, probably a little bit more hesitant about me playing rugby. She was, even when she watched my brothers growing up, um, whenever my older brother was not the biggest build growing up. So whenever he'd get the ball, she'd like wince kind of watching him. So I think she always <laughs> had a bit of hesitation from that that sense. But after I'd been playing and, and training for a couple of months, she was right into it. Yeah, happy. happy. <laughs> Let's talk about Rio, Chloe, and um, and the, and the incredible success there. And you're an integral part of that team. You scored 34 points that in the three amazing. games leading up. I mean, that's that's, that's pretty phenomenal. That would have been the best in tournament, if I'm not 
Is that he's right? I haven't had a look. He's I, o- he, there's no one more over. He's rugby sevens. Hey, they don't man call here. me Bruce for nothing. Right? Are you the stats man? He yeah. is the stats man. Yeah. Absolutely um, all There over. you go. I think I, I cheat a little bit because I'm the kicker. So I get to convert. So I get two points every conversion. That's look, it. it's not Somebody cheating. You've still got to kick it. You've got the skill set. Yeah. I mean, not yeah. everyone can do it. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so just on the, I'm going to just get a jump just quickly ahead to that kicking, like you just said, because it amazes me and, and that you're a kicker and then you went to AFL and then AFLW and then or VFLW and then they were the kicking wasn't the strong point. <laughs> <laughs> Look. We're not kicking off a tee though. A- yeah, I um I think that just the technique was very different. Um so in sevens I do the drop kick and so like ball bounces off the ground and you come around the corner a bit more like kick off the inside of your inside of your foot a bit more like soccer. So I think that I thought I was doing pretty well when I was kicking, but very different to what you would be taught. So in you would have been good back square. in 1950. Yes, right. Yeah, I reckon. Yeah, I'm tempted to bring it back. <laughs> Let's get it going. Why don't gang. you? Can we just yeah. voices of Hashtag air? We want bring our, back the drop bring kick. Bring back the drop kick, Chloe. <laughs> All one word, lowercase, hashtag. <laughs> but um, so, so Olympic glory. 34 um, points. Let's not, 34 points, let's yeah. Not talk, us, talk us through the tournament. Talk us through the Olympics, emotion, Rio, everything that goes with it. I mean, I'm sure we'd love to know. Yeah, it was a pretty incredible experience. It's it's tough to describe what it feels like walking through the village and just seeing hundreds, thousands of athletes walking around and all different shapes and sizes. That was something that initially kind of surprised me because you kind of expect this, I don't know, for some reason this build, but you do. You've got like the, the tiny gymnasts and then you've got the really tall rowers and the volleyball players. And I was in the, um, in the food hall one night and I walked past these – two female athletes and I was like gosh they look like uh, Venus and Serena and then I looked on social media later that night and it was Venus and Serena (laughs) but like in my head it was like you don't just walk past them in the food hall when you're going to get your your steak and veg for dinner like it just was it just was things like that that you kind of feels kind of like an out-of-body experience it's it's something that I dreamt about for so many years and years so to actually be there and be in that environment and be surrounded by so many incredible athletes was really cool Um, and then I guess, yeah, the, the tournament itself. So we played six games over three days and, and played the three pool games and, and kind of worked our way up there, um, won two of them and drew one against the USA and then into the quarterfinals, the semis, and then and then the pinnacle, that gold medal match against mm. New Zealand. And that was an inaugural gold medal as well. So first time ever that sport in the Olympics of that year. Yeah. Did I tell you, did I tell you he's all over it. <laughs> loves his rugby sevens. Yeah, it's Just good. I'm impressed. Also good to know, and let's talk about that, that led you to an Order of Australia medal. Um, which, yeah, I mean, everyone's got one, just seems. Do they? No. I was Do kidding. I was kidding. <laughs> I don't have one. I was kidding. I just, I just just have those letters after my name. It's just, um, just a thought there. If Chloe was so British. Service to the real estate industry, Rick, I could get that. If Chloe was British, she'd be knighted now. That's how it works in the, in the UK. Mm. But in Australia, all of Australia will do. That's how that works. So. Yeah, knighted does sound pretty so cool. So how, how does that make Lady you feel? Chloe. How does that make you feel, though? Like, um, you know, being an OAM. It's a pretty huge honour. The day uh, that we went, it was it was in Sydney and got to go and I uh, took mum and dad and my grandma with me, um, got to meet the Governor-General and went in there and I was just surrounded by so many people who'd achieved pretty incredible things and to be there as an athlete receiving it for service to sport felt a little bit weird that I just played sport for my country. But I guess at the end of the day, it is probably a reflection of the impact that that, that gold medal had on young girls and young boys watching back mm. home and, and the role that sport can play because I think sport has a, a pretty powerful Im- influence on community and people sit on their couches and watch it. Like the role that sport has in Australian culture is pretty massive. So I think initially I, I almost felt like 
a bit of an imposter being there, but I think mm. um, that was pointed out to me by someone afterwards, just the, the massive role that sport can play. So it was a pretty pretty cool experience to have that OAM. Yeah. And do you feel like a role model when you're playing? Do you, are you conscious of that? Are you, are you aware of maybe you know, your behaviour in, in front of young girls and boys and, and just the Australian sporting public in general? Are you aware of that? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it's a pretty massive honour to to I guess be considered in that role for for young kids and I think they're always watching whether it's at AFLW level or even at a local level or rugby sevens whatever sport it is I think it's pretty pretty cool to have these kids looking up to you and I think that plays a massive impact not just that kind of that off field going up to them after the game and having a chat but how you carry yourself on on field and the language that you use and and all that kind of thing I think that's a that's a pretty massive part of it too. So the Aussie the Aussie squad of um, rugby sevens would be made up of how many people? I think the squad's about 24 currently. 24. And then how many would – is that how many would actually go to the Olympics or is it – Take 12 plus yep. two travelling reserves okay. to, to the Olympics. So my point here is so then you, you, you've stepped away um, from Rugby Sevens, which was a pretty big thing, wasn't it, to do that, to go um, and follow the dream in terms of AFLW. And now um, has been has been certainly um, well and truly noted um, on Fox Sports and all the all the media channels that they want you back and they're they're they're, they're craving to have um, Chloe Dalton back in the rugby sevens and I think of all the the women out there who are playing this game um, it must it just must be pretty special and you must have something some incredibly you know um, uh, rare talents um, for them to you know, really signal you out, we want you back, we need you back. Because it's important to note that there's not too many tournaments that have won, have they, since you left? They, I, I did read that. Don't make a big deal about that. But <laughs> I think what, what Pete's saying is you are the difference, okay? So let's just, let's just cut to the chase. You are the difference. So we're expecting gold in Tokyo. There you go. We're just throwing it right out there because um, you're back. Yeah, yeah, gold, gold in Tokyo. Let's write becomes what then? <laughs> <laughs> Lady, I don't know. Where does it go after that? I think, that? yeah, we need to get a knighting in there. Yeah. 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 Did that's, you like my concept there? We're starting yeah. that. But but, st- but do you understand my point? Like it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. I mean, there's only a, so few people that, that actually get to do this you know 25 um, million people in australia so you say half of those are female and now from there a total team of 12 traveling to represent our country at the olympics yeah i think the math really suggests that you've got you're in rarefied air there so as pete's saying what how's that when, when it's boiled down like that to you what does that say to you yeah, it's pretty crazy, to be honest. Um, I've been in been in contact with John Menenti, who's the coach of the Aussie Seven, since I came across to footy, and we've got a really good relationship. Um, but, yeah, to have the opportunity to be to come back and, and the fact that he's allowed me to play both the AFLW and then to come back for a shot at Tokyo is is huge. Um, and, yeah, it's it's pretty strange, I guess, when you look at the numbers like that. It's probably not some, something that I've considered before. Um, mm. But, yeah, I'm just really looking forward to to getting back in there. It's a, it's a really good environment. And I, I think I've really missed that full-time training, um, cause they've been full-time since about 2014. Um, so I guess that's one comparison between the two as well is that AFLW is still on that part-time basis. So I think getting back into that program on a full-time basis and preparing for the Olympics will be really special. Be special. So what is it, the training on, on the AFL you're saying it's, it's, it's more part-time. So what would a typical, athlete do an AFLW athlete um, typical hours that they would put into training and then the Chloe Dalton hours I'd imagine there's there's a bit of you know extra stuff that you're doing no doubt yeah so as a team we train Monday Wednesday from say about 6 till 10 p.m um, and then Saturdays we're in um, from about 8 to 1 
Um, so the three days a week are the, the AFLW commitments um, and we'll get in early and do gym, see physio and all that kind of thing. Um, I recently quit my physio job and I got the offer to do the rugby sevens. So I'm doing, I'm combining the part-time rugby sevens here in Melbourne with part-time AFLW to make myself a full-time athlete, which yep. is pretty cool. Um, Fantastic. So I'm doing, doing gym six days a week, doing the, obviously the AFLW sessions, doing one-on-one -on -one sessions with a rugby coach, Peter Breen, who works out of the Melbourne Rebels. Um, doing one-on-one -on -one rugby sessions with him twice a week and then doing Pilates a couple of times a week as well. Well, that's a busy week. That's a very busy week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired just hearing it, let alone doing it, which is important. So how, how, are you, how do you go mind-wise in terms of, you know, the training for the two sports and, and now leading into this um, mm. AFLW season? Because it's, it's a big season and we're now into the, the third AFL, AFLW season. Is that correct, correct yeah. isn't it? The third. Yeah. So it's really gaining some incredible momentum and it's, it's it started well and it's just continued on a wonderful trajectory. It has. And even though they call it semi-professional, but I can guarantee you when the girls cross that white line, it ain't semi-professional, yeah. their minds are out there really going for it. So that's it. Keep yeah. going with your question, mate. But, it, but it's, uh, I mean, we've seen skill levels, you know, majorly improve yeah. and so forth. And as you said, there's so much time and commitment sort of going into it. How do you balance that between now with the Rugby Sevens sort of is, is it what are the major sort of differences that you're doing or is it mainly fitness or is it strength it's all sort of blends in together yeah so I had the strength and conditioning coach from the rugby sevens and the coach come down to Melbourne and they met with the Carlton SNC coaches and we had a bit of a meeting before I started all of this training and the interesting thing was that there were there was probably a lot more crossover than what we were all expecting which is good for me because it means that when I'm training I can kind of get the best out of both of it rather than one detracting from Perfect. the other or yeah. that kind of thing so from a strength perspective in the gym in terms of power putting on size and muscle they both want a relatively similar outcome which is good like tick that box um, fitness wise AFLW probably more kilometers and then say sevens is more high speed more change of direction kind of getting up, up off the ground when you make tackles and things like that so that'll be something that I'll probably have to integrate a little bit more with my training so that when I get back to the sevens that that won't be too much of a shock to the system. Um, and then obviously the the difference with the skills, but they, I've, I've adjusted my drop kick a little bit because of my now AFL kick being quite square. So I've kind of adjusted the drop kick a little bit with my coach Pete. Um, and that's, I think that's helped so far as well. So hopefully then when I get back, it's not these two really distinct kicking techniques. It flows a little bit more. Yep. Yeah. What do plan. you do outside of training and footy and or rugby sevens just to refresh, re-energize, regroup again and just get your head right? Uh, I love going down to hang by the water. Um, that's a big one for me. I've, so you're I've, living Bayside kind of? Yes. Minute. We won't say exactly where. Um, but <laughs> and living... just the address. <laughs> no, no. Um, yeah, so I grew up Northern Beaches back in Sydney. So I've, there's always been something for me about being near the water, yeah. um, just, just being able to relax and refresh. I think it's always good for the mind to do that. Um, and then reading books, hanging out, watching Netflix, getting on the recovery boots on the pumps. Uh, all that kind of thing. All the fun stuff. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Now, just want to go back a little bit because, you know, clearly when you were growing up, your dream wouldn't have been AFLW because it didn't exist and you were growing up in New South Wales, as you said. So growing up, what was your aspirations or, and or dreams or goals for sport, do you think? So when I was seven, Kathy Freeman won gold at the Sydney 2000 Olympics. Yep. And I remember sitting and watching that race and that's when I decided that I wanted to win an Olympic gold medal. Look at that. Uh, wow. And so that was a, a big dream. Mum used to do scrapbooking and she's got these things from cross country and I'd written it down on a note of paper. She's still got it and 
I've written something like I can picture myself standing on the podium with a gold medal around my neck or something oh, something like that. <laughs> I just did the same thing as you. If you're watching this on YouTube, you'll just see Peter and I in unison, <laughs> just absolutely like we'd bitten into ice cream really, really hard and we had to chill right down our backs. Awesome. Yep. So yeah. you saw that in yeah. your mind, but you didn't know what the sport, you just knew the outcome, didn't know what the vehicle was. Yeah. I don't think I decided at that point. I, I quite liked my cross country and my running, but I, I got to a point when I was about 11 or 12 and I moved more towards the team sports. I think the individual sports, I ended up just putting too much pressure on myself and just decided when I when I started playing basketball that I loved that that real teamwork element of it. And the fact that you put in the hard work for your mates around you. I think that was something that I really enjoyed and kind of decided at that point that it was probably going to be more a team sport rather than an individual sport. So you didn't see it as a solo performance. You saw it as part of a team environment, which is clearly how it happened. So then the moment you are actually getting the gold medal, you're on the dais with your teammates, they start playing the national anthem. Just Because Pete and I, in our minds... Already there. We're already there. <laughs> but what, what does that mean to you? Like, just give us a... Did you know the words? Did you know the words? Absolutely. Absolutely. Are you a belter out or are you a move the lips to make sure that it looks like you're singing? What I'm not a belter. I'm, I'm halfway. Because, okay. um, like, if you belt it, the, as the camera pans across, a lot of the time they actually pick up the sound. So ah, so you like do want to sound like you're singing better. off. Did you have your own jeweled mic or... Is oh, I think it's better? hilarious that you're actually asking this, Rick, like you're going to... like. You're what? going to be there next week or something. <laughs> no, just, you I'm, need to know what to do. I'm, I'm getting a sense of this this beautiful young lady just had this dream. I mean, when she says, "I have this," I'm going to. I'm I'm thinking, my gosh, I'm trying to get a sense of when you're actually I'm doing it. You. I'm with you. Did you did you go? This is exactly how I imagined it, or, or was it just in the what? Just talk us through that moment. Yeah, very good question. I find that one really hard to describe that that particular moment. I the moment the siren sounded the biggest feeling I felt was relief yeah um because it was it was like something that I wanted so badly and I felt I felt like that's what I'd worked towards for such a long period of time even though it was across different sports I felt like that was kind of that that pinnacle um so reaching that it was weird because I didn't know what it was going to feel like um but relief was the biggest thing I felt and then being on the the podium and kind of the moments after and reflecting back I think I always felt that th- these people that I idolized as Olympians or just incredible athletes were always had this moment where they like transformed into like this superhuman kind of person and something happened and they just suddenly became a gold medalist because they just like became a new kind of person and it was really weird to like experience that as myself and it was kind of like oh like nothing's changed like we just did like we did it as a team but it's really cool that we actually did that? I don't know if that makes sense. It makes but total sense. Yeah. I love it. So it's just part of your transformation. But mm. it really didn't change who you were. It just changed actually what you've just achieved and you did it collectively as a group and you didn't just flick a switch. There was a, a decade or, or a decade and a half of work that led up to it. As you say, there was no clear defined path to get there, but you knew very early on you know, that you wanted to do that from the uh, you know, year 2000 when you saw Kathy Freeman do it. You knew you wanted to do it. As to what that vehicle was, was not really defined, but clearly the vision was. Yes. Does that now give you the fire in the belly again to repeat that? Do you do you still have that? Is that etched in your mind now? Does it? You ever have to? I don't want to. I, I don't want to let go of this feeling. I don't want to let go of this feeling. Is that sort of what it feels like now? Is it, is this fire in the belly? Is what's going to drive? You know, Tokyo. Is do you think or mm. having having been there before? Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. Or is, or is there a fear of complacency? 
That yeah, I think it's it's a really difficult one going and and having already won the gold. I think there's there's very much an element that I would I would say hate to go and win bronze because <laughs> it's like you've already yeah. got you've already got that gold. So then to go then I'd probably just have to go again after that and finish on a gold kind of thing. Like you'd, <laughs> I feel like it'd be one of those things where you just keep going. But I have. So much respect for these athletes that you see that have been to four or five Olympic Games. Like I grew up in basketball idolising Lauren Jackson, who yep. was absolutely incredible. And, and seeing what they put their bodies through and the longevity of their careers and, and what they can achieve over that time, I have so much admiration for them. So I guess for me the opportunity to even go to two Olympics is huge, mm. let alone the thought of ever going to four or five. Like that just blows my mind that people can do that and and maintain that level of athleticism and professionalism over that many years so I think yeah for me I don't I don't think there's complacency will will come into it I think it's I wouldn't want anything less than being able to replicate what we'd already achieved in in Rio has the team changed a lot since Rio there's been quite a few young girls come through who are actually really talented Um, a lot of them come across from touch football so they're quite skillful and and good quick yeah quick Mm. and agile and good at using the footy so I think in that sense, there's been quite a few young girls come through. Um, one of the girls, Emily Cherry, had a baby in about June of last year and is, is coming back for a tournament this weekend um, and she'll yeah. be a massive addition um, back in the team. So there'll be about – I think there'll be about nine or ten girls in contention for the Tokyo team mm. of the 12 that, that, that were there in Rio. Wow. That, that's a big tournament um, coming up, isn't it, over in um, – and when, depends on when this one goes to air because we've had to pre- sort of pre-record this one. But there's a big tournament straight day weekend over in uh, New Zealand, yes? Yes. Yep. Yeah, so it's the first time the girls are playing in New Zealand. It's been really cool. As part of the World Series this year, the girls are playing eight tournaments um, and a lot of them are in conjunction with the men's tournaments. So when they run side by side, because going to sevens tournaments, it's a big big party. Like there's, there's good crowds. Everyone gets dressed up. Yep. Like everyone has a really good weekend. So it's cool that they can run them together. Um, and I guess increase that, that fan amazing, base and the support yeah. base. We, we were doing some research on it the other day, weren't we, Rick? Just having a look at it. It's like, how do you get this done in two days? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> so do the games go for, uh, was it 40? 14 minutes? Four, 14 minutes. Yes. Seven minute halves. Seven minute halves for. Uh, right, at this and, moment in time, I don't think you should be quoting any figures or facts or numbers. I'll let, let our expert do it. <laughs> So 14-minute games and they run back-to-back. So over a, it's either a two- or three-day tournament and over the weekend you'll play three pool games and depending on how successful you are, you'll then go quarters, semis, finals. But is there literally like a, a minute to get off the field before the next it's team pretty, comes on? It's pretty quick. So you've got yeah. seven-minute halves, two-minute half time and then you're, you're off the field and then you'll get straight into the ice baths, have protein food, get on the recovery boots, watch the vision of the game you just played Sometimes I can sneak a nap in there, but not all the time. And then you're pretty much getting ready, preparing, warming up to go again. Yeah, it's not that. It's not that. In, um, at the Olympics, there's there's significant gaps in between games, or yeah. So they do that over the three days. So a typical sevens tournament will be over two. So it's I guess more compact. So it's quite nice the Olympics over the three days. And I think I don't know if it's to do with the heat in Tokyo that they've they've kind of spread them out so that it's not at the hottest points in the day. Yep. Um, I can't decide whether I like a bigger gap or not. Sometimes when you have less of a gap, you kind of just have to stay up for it and you keep kind of, you obviously recover, but you kind of keep your adrenaline levels up. So sometimes it's difficult if you've got a big gap because you kind of play, recover, and then you've got a few hours to kill and then you've got to get yourself up again Mm. um, and kind of overcome because obviously even though it's seven aside rather than 15, it's obviously still very physical and so there's a lot of toll on your body by the end of the weekend. So that's a really big element of it. And I think when you get to the finals, 
the biggest, obviously the better team usually wins on the day, but a really big component of that is your fitness levels, whether how many injuries you've got, but also how much people can get themselves up from a mental side of things after yeah. playing a full weekend of footy imagine, yeah. um, to then get yourself up to play in this, in this gold medal match um, and, and get over the fact that your body's really sore and tired and be able to push through that, that kind of next level. Mm. So you've just had your first hit out for the year. Um, how's everything looking in terms of um, the year ahead, the AFLW, your squad? How's things changed? How's the, how, how's the sort of – What's the vibe um, like at Carlton? Yeah, I'd, well, not so much – I'd like to know what the vibe is through through all the girls actually because, as I said, we're a few seasons in now um, – you know, a lot more confidence. People know sort of know where they what they want and, and where they're going and what the traje- trajectory is. Um, how how are you with all, everything? How do you feel it's all going? Yeah, it's it's something that's really cool to be a part of because it's obviously something that has been so many years in in the making. So to be a part of the AFLW in itself is is pretty massive. But I think um, yeah, being at Carlton is something that I've really enjoyed and and coming across from Sydney, as I said, footy's not as big um, back home. So to move to Melbourne and see how much people just absolutely love their footy and to be a part of a, of a big club like Carlton is is mm. really cool. Um, it's something that I hadn't experienced before. So I think um, that's, yeah, that's something that I'm really fortunate to be a part of. And and looking at this year ahead, I think we're, we're looking good. Had a match sim practice match kind of thing against St Kilda on the weekend, which went pretty well. Um, it's always good to get a bit of an idea where you, where you stand <laughs> after a long preseason. Um, yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, it's really interesting because at the end of each AFLW season there's seven or eight players that will get delisted and then you've got the new girls coming in through the draft. So it's always – there's a fair bit of turnover. Yep. Um, so it's it's really interesting to see how the group will gel. But we've got some awesome young girls who are coming through and it's really cool to see um, girls that have been playing footy since they were kids. I think that like moving forward because there's now more pathways in place for those girls. You see these girls that come in and can kick off both feet and they're just very smooth with their skills and all that kind of thing. So it's, for me, I appreciate it so much because I didn't grow up playing it and I'm so envious of these girls that can do it. Um, But it's really cool to see this next generation of girls that are coming through that have been doing that since they were kids because they now have the opportunity to do so. Is it sort of helping everyone lift like the rising tide so everyone, well, that's what they do. I need to get better. I need to get better. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's definitely a big part of it in in raising the standard because that's – if the kids are doing it, like you all better come along for the ride, otherwise mm, your spot's well, going to get taken. And knowing how you yeah. operate and how your mindset is, you'd want to get better based on that sort of very thing. I guess the thing you always have to remember is that you've got an Olympic gold medal and OIM next to your name. They don't. <laughs> they can kick both sides of the body. You might be able to handle both sides, yeah. but but they don't have, you have that. OIM on your back at all. Oh my god, your jumper. You should. I've got. I've got my rings. I've got my rings tattooed. Here we go. That's the go. Straight at the camera. There we go. At the camera. Yep. (laughs) That's what you do when you're an Olympian. Hence why Pete and I don't have any tattoos on our body. (laughs) But uh, but if we did, that's what we would have. (laughs) We know how to sing the song. Should uh, should we have ever be on that? But I, in all (laughs) seriousness, I'm absolutely just hoping that our listeners have been able to jot down the gems that uh, have been shared by Chloe and you know the very fact that nothing starts with out of vision if you don't have a vision for what you want to achieve in the game of life no plan is going to get you there so mm. you know the fact that she had a very clear vision i'm going to stand on the dais that's going to be me didn't necessarily have to have it nutted out figured out to the nth degree what the vehicle looked like just have the vision from the vision then grows all of that desire and the want and the why and and the what and the how come in later and i i think that's exciting and you know hearing the ability to go back again knowing that you've been there that you have done it you know what it takes so none of this sh- should be too much of the unknown for you it's really just the case of getting back there and 
clearing your mind and giving yourself the best chance to sort of do it, do you feel a sense that you have to share that with those girls that are part of the Rugby 7 squad who haven't been there? Do you feel this? And also, maybe as another way of adding that to the question, do you feel that need to share some of your Olympic lessons with your teammates at the AFLW sort of uh, team meetings as well? Do you feel that sort of need or that want or do you think there's some value in that? Yeah, I definitely think that my experience so far at particularly at that Olympic level, I guess there's so much pressure. And we went in as favourites as well in Rio. It was, it was the inaugural gold um, gold medal for rugby sevens, but we were we were number one in the world at that point. So I feel like I learn a lot from that in terms of dealing with that pressure. And I think that's definitely something that I can share with the with the Carlton girls at um, in the AFLW, even though it's a different sport. Just the mental preparations and the lessons I learned and and the full-time element of it as well. I think that was a really big component too. Mm. Um, just the amount that you can achieve and, and the specific things you can focus on from a strength and conditioning perspective to be able to get the best out of yourself. I think they're really big things that I learned during my time there. So I try and impart as much as I can with the, particularly with the younger kids coming through who haven't necessarily played sport at a professional level before. I think that's a big thing. And then yeah, looking at looking at Tokyo once I get back into that that program and and get to play a couple of tournaments in the lead up um, to Tokyo and hopefully go along. I would hope that yeah, come come Tokyo that I would be able to. I guess because I've done it once before, hopefully going again would be able to take it in a little bit more. It was all kind of like a bit bit crazy, like yeah, so yeah, much so that. much mm. going on. Um, yeah. So being able to go again and just relax and enjoy it um not that, that i didn't familiarity it. isn't it of being yeah i'm um, comfortable yep. yeah but this time i'm actually going to take it all in because it was so intense on getting that gold medal where this time around it's like let's enjoy the moment as well as opposed to just getting it done yeah yeah and it's knowing a little bit more what you can expect i think japan are going to do a really good job of, yeah, of the they, village they, i think it's going to be very now. very high standard there mm. was a few few hiccups in rio nothing major but i think the village in itself is going to be amazing. I think the standard of the games is going to be really cool. So the so fact I think that they didn't finish the village? Or <laughs> that was a minor, <laughs> just a minor, minor issue. Yeah. I think that happens every Olympics though, doesn't it? They're always stressing around but that. It amazes me because it's not like it just crept up on you. No, you I know. Actually, <laughs> you actually knew about yeah. eight to ten years ago right, that something yeah. was going to happen. It's a bit like when I went to the World Cup in um, yes, South Africa did. and yep. I lined up. Yep. And um, and the guy goes, sorry. And I said, yeah, a couple of beers, thanks, mate. And um, he goes, oh, sorry, it's a bit warm. I said, what do you mean it's warm? I said, this, this tournament didn't exactly creep up when you did it. You could have put these beers in the fridge like a while ago. Anyway, I still carry that with me. Yeah, so. it's good to see that you moved on from there, um, which I think is important because between us, we've won one gold medal each. Um, and I think we get a sense of what it looks like and feels like. Chloe, I want to, I want to talk about um, relationships with um, with coaches and the influences that they had on your life. And, I, and it's been well documented that John Menenti and – um, and your relationship there with him and, and other coaches and all. What what influences other than, than John and others in your life and currently down, you know, down at Carlton, whatever it may be, um, what are some of the, the great learnings and what are the great relationships you've had and what have you taken away from these, yeah, the, the coaches in your life and the influences? I think the biggest thing that I appreciate and respect as um, from a coach is when they, they look at the athlete as a whole person. I think that's such a big part of sport these days that's, probably been something over the years that's developed more the importance of of considering that element of it whether it's like emotional mental health on top of just that physical component I think that's a really big thing the the coaches that have that um, emotional intelligence to be able to have 
constructive conversations and and because that's such a big part whether it's selection or training or injuries and things like that to be able to have that relationship with with a coach where you can have these honest conversations that are that are constructive and and you give feedback back and forth I think that's a really big element of it and something that um I've probably got the most out of as during my time as an athlete yeah um yeah and I think yeah with with John Menenti and and currently with Daniel Harford the coach of our, our Carlton team I think that's been a really big component of it um just being able to um yeah I guess the way that they look after players both on and off the field I think it's half just seems to absolutely I just I saw some I read something or saw some footage of half gee he just loves it doesn't he he is just so passionate about you girls you can just tell big shorts Daniel Harford Pete thinks I sound like him yeah oh I, I, don't think I wouldn't so. have picked that. No, I wouldn't either, but that's okay. I'm not going to say he was drunk when he made that call, <laughs> but he may have been under the influence of something. I'm not going to go to. You know what? I don't hear it. I used to listen to him on RSN and wherever else he was on, SEM, whenever SEM. he was there, and I used to think, don't know what is he talking about. But Pete's point is valid. He is so passionate about getting the very best out of you girls, which I think any – mentor or coach who wants the best for you you almost want to give the best back don't you in some respects yeah I think that's a really big element of it um I think passionate is a very good way to describe half yeah um yeah he he absolutely loves it oh competitive oh yeah yeah, yeah. don't um, play table tennis with halves he <laughs> will absolutely um Pete asked a really good question uh when we were interviewing uh the beautiful Sarah Rowe from the Collingwood Football Club and he said you know five years ten years from now where do you see yourself ultimately what's the end game if you will in the sense of your professional career life after football or rugby or whatever sport you end up taking on from here uh, I probably will get back into my physio work. So right. I finished my degree end of 2017 and have done just under two years of, of part-time work since I've been down here in Melbourne. So I'd, I'd probably see myself getting back into that field where that will take me, not too sure yet. But I'd also love to, I think, still remain in, in the sporting space. I haven't necessarily worked out what that will look like yet, um, but I think that I'm hoping that my experience across a range of professional sports will help me to be able to give back to um, whether that's at community level or at, a, at an elite level, um, I'd really love to still be involved. I'm still kind of nutting out that plan. Well, what we've learned during this interview just is you don't need event. the full plan in play, do you? You'll just <laughs> lean into the darkness and you'll give yourself every chance to sort of back yourself in that whatever contribution you're going to make in whatever arena, you're going to give it the very best you've got and you're going to be doing it from a team perspective, which I think is important. Oh, just oh, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's great. To, to see you just doing what you're doing and just enjoying it and seeing the big smile on your face and, you know, the, the, there's so much in front of you, you know, particularly in the next six months, Chloe, and, um, you know, it's going to be it's going to be wonderful for us and I know our, our valuable listeners as well to, to follow your journey now. Um, having get, got to know you and 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 hearing about you know um, you, you, you're just so your passion for sport and people and 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 growth and success and everything like that I think there's some incredible messages there that you um, that you share I want to move to 2017 where you're awarded the Sean McKay medal for the 2017 as a women's sevens player of the year um, that must have been and um, I, I must admit I didn't know a lot about Sean um, until I did a bit of reading on him, that was absolutely horrific. Um, what happened to him and how his um, his life was prematurely ended. But that medal that was created and so forth must have meant incredible things. Uh, must mean incredible things to the rugby world, to you as well. Um, talk us through and, and winning that must have been an incredible, incredible special moment for you. 
Yeah, that was a really huge honour to be awarded that, and and Sean's parents um, come along to the awards and actually actually hand over the trophy, which oh, was wow. which was really special. Um, I never had the opportunity to meet Sean, but a lot of the girls and some of the guys that I played with um, were coached by Sean and knew Sean, and I think the biggest thing that they always talked about was how he just upheld the values of the game of rugby and and the sportsmanship and the humility and um, just him as a person the way that he carried himself and so I think that the award in itself is is an incredible achievement but what it represents was was a really huge honor yeah. as well um yeah 2017 was a was a pretty big year and I think it was I probably had a few years in the program by that point and it was after after we'd won gold in Rio and I just felt that season I I was pretty much injury free and I just had one of those seasons where I felt like I could keep building on what I'd put all the the years of hard work into it was just the yeah. season where it all all culminated into that um, into that performance as a team. We had a probably didn't have our best year. We we'd make most finals, but had that really strong competitiveness with New Zealand as always that big rivalry. Um, but are they, are they currently number one? Yes, New Zealand in, and Australia is currently number two. Yes, yeah, yeah. So down, you're not writing this down. No, no, I was locked in here, mate. <laughs> one and two. <laughs> The big rivalry. It's a big rugby rivalry yep. between yeah. the two nations. Um, so, yeah. So I think that was just yeah to have that have that award was was pretty massive after after what we went through. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No, it's tremendous to hear that. And I, yeah, as I said, I did a bit of research on on him. Not you know totally across the whole rugby thing, but it was just um, horrific circumstances that um, yeah that prematurely ended his life. And it's wonderful that. That rugby have yeah, created that medal and um, and again no great, worthy great a win- to hear, no worthy a winner yeah great to hear your sentiments around um, what it felt like to win that so and have that presented from his family and uh, what that meant to Chloe well this has been just another stunning interview Has Pete. It? Um, it? I just think like you know we don't do this for the money we still take the money though so if you want to send <laughs> us some money that's good but you couldn't pay us to have the feeling that we had I, I got to say to you if you are listening to this on your device make sure you look at the YouTube link at the point where Chloe shares the fact that in the year two thousand watching Kathy Freeman and she actually put in her scrapbook that she was going to have uh, uh, the ability to stand on a dais and win a gold medal and you just see Pete and my reaction. I'm <laughs> hoping you got that and sense that passion through the microphone. But she's a very calm young lady. She's very clear on what she's all about. She knows her strengths. She understands her weaknesses. Like all elite people, she's trying to uh, get a little bit better uh, each tournament, each year. She's going to have a stellar AFLW season, no questions about that. Uh, when she wins gold at Tokyo, she'll be Voices of Value's very own Chloe Dalton. No questions about that. If you get bronze or below. We might um, even go to Tokyo just to record. Outside broadcast, an OB, we call that in our industry here. Uh, Chloe, just to let you know. Um, (laughs) If you get bronze or below. Not uh, interested? Not interested. Uh, That's how we roll. That's how we roll here. Silver? What about silver? Silver we will allow. Because it's a gold medal game. It's a gold medal game. Silver just means you got there and it could have come down to a pretty ordinary decision, let's be honest. So I think silver we go, but I think gold medal game we're there. Gold medal game we're there. Okay. Can we get tickets? Could you help us out there? Oh, I've got a long list of people asking. (laughs) You guys are working your way up the list at the moment. Mum, dad, brothers, get that. (laughs) Yes. few girlfriends. Prime Minister of Australia, Deputy Prime Minister. They've got bigger jobs to do. Let them do their jobs. Us. I think that's only fair. After and the family? After yeah, the family. Okay. There we go. We're working our way up is what I've heard there. I feel like we are family. 
Just after so, today. And yeah, the, you're the only Carlton person I can really relate, relate to just quietly, but that's because we're surrounded <laughs> by Carlton people, aren't we, around right. our whole sort of family lives. But in all seriousness, if you've got some value from this interview and you've got some young ladies in your networks and or family and or just immediate people you want to influence, and it doesn't have to be young ladies. I think anybody who's chasing a dream, mm. if they couldn't get some value out of that interview, uh, you know, really we weren't listening uh, that intently. Uh, clearly there's so much good stuff there. So please make sure that you do uh, send us a note, subscribe. If you haven't already subscribed, if you just found this interview through a friend, uh, this is the sort of voice of value we're bringing to the microphone each week. Uh, please do let us know if it's creates some value for you. Make sure you share it. Make sure you rate it. And more importantly, make sure you get it into the ears of those who need it because this is a young lady who's given up a very important part of her week, 168 hours in the week, and she's dedicated and allocated most of those. If it's not rest and recovery, it's into training and getting better. And she's shared some gems with us here today. We are so thankful for that gift of the opportunity. You might want to, again, do a special shout-out to Josie. For yeah, I just want to say thanks to Jose and uh, OMP and Sports Management for um, for um, the introduction and, and for us to have the opportunity to um, to speak to you, Chloe, and, and, and certainly for our listeners as well. You've, you've brought in tremendous amounts of value to this conversation and um, we we just can't wait to see um, what the next six months holds. So um, good luck and um, and thanks for sharing your time. We and really by the way, it. we'll be singing the National Anthem with you in spirit when you are on the dais. We'll be belting it out, won't we? We'll be belting it. I'll be belting we'll it be out. Belting. We'll be belting it out. But Chloe, on behalf of everybody, we'll film ourselves doing it. We'll go live and we'll actually be there cheering. <laughs> <laughs> we could be there. We could be there. There's we no should pressure. be there. There's, there's, there's no, no pressure, there's pressure at all. At all. I've always wanted to go to Tokyo though, so I'm just putting it out there yeah. that if we get there, gold medal game. Okay. Voices of you live from Tokyo. That's pretty cool. Hearing. That's pretty cool. Thanks, Chloe. Really appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, guys. <laughs> We trust you enjoyed listening to Voices of Value, a shared conversation between Rick Rushton, Peter Kakos, and their valued guests. Their views are not necessarily those of the wider world, but they should be. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or your preferred podcast source, and we love to hear both your feedback and ratings on the content we provide. Additional information can be sourced through our website, Voices of Value Podcast. Join the conversation again next week when Peter and Rick continue the search for truth, justice, and the value-added way.